Hello, everyone, and welcome to Expect a Miracle with Richard Roberts. Today, a very, very special presentation. Recently, my wife, Lindsay, was a guest on the Elijah Streams with Steve Schultz. Now, many of you watch the Elijah Streams on a daily basis, and she did a phenomenal job. They had a tremendous interview, and I thought to myself, you know what? It was so good, I really want to share it on our podcast. So go with me right now to this very special Elijah Streams interview with host Steve Schultz and my wife, Lindsay. Hello, Lindsay. How are you today? I think I am so excited. If something happens and I go into another dimension, I was like, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, if I'm raptured, you just need to know <laughs> this is why. Well, I appreciate it. I, you know, I talked with your husband, Richard, which is Oral Roberts' son. Now, mm -hmm. Oral Roberts went home to be with the Lord. When did he leave us? Uh, uh, December 15th, about 10 years ago. Okay. Wow. Yep. yep. Well, he'd be missed. I was telling Richard. Older. Um, when we talked a week or two ago, I said, man, I remember I was a kid. I was third grade. TV was black and white in those days. That's all we had. Oh, my word. And my and Oral Roberts would come on. And he had this thing where he put his hands on people's heads and he'd say, be healed. And he would do this thing, you know. And my yep. parents were convincing me. I was third grade. And they were trying to convince me, which I suppose they did, that this was of the devil. And so I thought, okay, so it's of the devil, you know. That was what they taught me. But, you oh, know, I was thinking about this, Lindsay. I was thinking about this today. If it was of the devil, why did I see that playing in my house all the time? Oh, wow. What a <laughs> thought. I just realized that. What I just thought. thought about it. Yeah. I saw it a lot. Why was I seeing it if it was... Yeah. Well, I grew up the same way, only we really thought it was God. So, yeah. <laughs> but I tell you what, the people here, it, it's interesting because I'm 65 now. And I remember, you know, I've, I've been with this ministry 41 years. And wow. even as a child sitting back watching, the power of God was so strong. And now I look at some of those videos and the power of God is still strong. The presence of God is still strong. Sometimes when we play them, you know, kind of like um, like to show vintage things, the power of God is so strong. People are still getting healed. And it just it captivates me to think how God can use whatever God wants to use. Well, yeah. And I mean, I, 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 I think I must have been about 25 to 29, somewhere in that area where God really got a hold of me. And I started having encounters with the Lord. And I wow. realized it took me about that long to realize, looking back, that I had been, you know, fed a bunch of lies. And I remember, I don't, I can't even count the number of times when I've gone before the Lord and said, in case you didn't get this the last day, please forgive me for judging Oral Roberts. He's a man. I got to please. <laughs> I've had to say, forgive me to his face, but it wasn't for judging him. He could be a rascal sometimes. <laughs> really? No, he was wonderful. Oh, he was a prankster. He was a joker. And really? he also loved to work people until they dropped. And when we would drop and I'd have no, nothing left in me, he'd say, okay, we're going to do something else. And it was like, he was like a machine. Wow. And even when he was much older, he was, I used to call him the Energizer Bunny because it was like, you know, this is supernatural. But he was committed to what he was doing. And he really felt like precious lives were at stake. If he didn't hear from God, if he didn't obey God, if he didn't do this project or, or, or one message on salvation, somebody's life could have ended really? in a different way. Yeah. Oh, he was, he took it very seriously. Well, that's amazing. Wow. So, um, so no wonder I've never worked, worked that hard in all my life. <laughs> well, imagine the people working for Trump. Think what their jobs are like. <laughs> He's wearing out everybody around him. 
I think they're a lot alike. My father-in-law actually loved Donald Trump and, and he would send me things and say, read this, read this, that it was something either Donald Trump had said or written. And there was a lot of similarities that I think in their commitment to what they believed in, in being really a full force for getting the job done in what they were committed to do, whatever that job might have been, that intensity was Oral Roberts. And and oh. somebody was teasing me um, on a book project the other day. And she said, are you sure you could do this this quick? And I said, let me just say two words to you. Oral Roberts, <laughs> this is a breeze compared <laughs> to that. So, but he, well, was, he was a love We'll talk work. about it because I want to ask you about that. You, you helped sure. write the books that he did. But let's talk about mm-hmm. your upbringing because you, you, you kind of were raised and you began to experience the prophetic. Talk about how that prophetic came into your life. Strangely, um, I did not really know all that was going on in Christianity and in different things like that. Um, had a wonderful home. My father um, was Orthodox. He was of Lebanese descent, and his family understood the Orthodox Church. And then there was the the added Methodist Church into that, but never the prophetic or anything like that. In fact, I I don't even recall hearing a salvation message except one time in church when I was six years old in a in a summer program, you know, like the summer school they do for church, like Bible school. Um, a, a man came in with a puppet show, and I got saved. And when I got saved, wow! I knew that my life would never be the same. I felt, and, and you know, you're not the worst sinner in the world at six, but I knew that the presence of God was a part of my life. Well, my great grandfather. Um, would always have a prophetic word. Now, keep in mind, he went to heaven in his 90s and his late 90s. And I was just a child. I think I was just six, seven-ish when he went to heaven. So so he would sit me down and I was very young, but I remember, first of all, how precious and sweet he was. I remember how he talked about Jesus. I remembered how he talked about prophecy. And the sweetness of this man made me hungry for God. If he related his life to God, then I had to know God. I had to know the Jesus he was talking about. Wasn't totally sure about prophetic. And my grandmother would teach me when he was in heaven. And she really didn't have this great understanding of it, but she had an understanding of what he said. And I found, actually a lady in my office found this, 1906. I don't know if you can see it, but it it was given to the church and it's September of 1906 revelation given to the church. And I read it and it is as though it could have been written yesterday. Really? And I remember this precious man, he, he had his own hearing, his own teeth, his own hair, and he was in his nineties. And when you think about that, this exemplary life, I would question him. And I would say, you know, why is this? Why is that? It would always go back to the Lord. That made me literally hungry for whatever he had, I had to have because I saw something in his life, not understanding it, just I saw something in his life. And that was really important to me to to try and figure out what that meant. That's that, that those people are alive now. I I don't say this very often, but I was raised Seventh day Adventist. I would have been fourth generation. Seventh day Adventist pastor. That's how deep we went. And believe it or not, I got saved in that denomination. I got saved, and it was because I saw people, the few and rare to me that were really living it. They would talk about Jesus, and it was real. 
But then later on, this is when I talk about the 20s, when all of a sudden I had an encounter with God and the room goes yeah. into slow motion and all of a sudden the, the highlight of the Bible, it's as if it lifted off the page and, and God yeah. said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me and, you know, they will never perish and all that. That was a, that was a profound revelation. Wow. Somebody else would say, oh, that's a good verse. I said, no, that was a bro, because it had to do with changing me from a from a mindset that God. Yeah. So you had a you had parents and grandparents, especially your grand, who was exemplary. I didn't really have that. My dad's nickname was Happy. They called wow. him Happy Harry. He was a car dealer. Um, and the unusual thing now, he was that working guy that worked seven days a week. Um, he didn't attend church, but there was church in him. And I didn't know the extent of it. He, he went on to heaven when I was 12 years old. And I walked into his hospital room. Now, as a car dealer, he had connections through Ford Motor Company because we were out of Flint and Detroit, Michigan, that area. And so when I walked, he had always had some of the most amazing people. Like he sponsored um, the Detroit Tigers and the Detroit Lions with cars. So I grew up thinking those were all my relatives. Well, they really? were people he gave cars to, but they were not my relatives. I thought they were my relatives. <laughs> but I walked into his hospital room, I think it was the day before he went to heaven, and there was something happening in the room. There was this presence of God in the room, and I did and didn't understand it. I knew something was happening. And I said, Daddy, who was on the phone? Because he was still on the phone talking, laughing, and waving his hand. Now, this was as he was about to graduate to heaven. And he hung up the phone and I'll cry when I say this because I thought he was kidding. He said it was Oral Roberts. And I said, okay, that's funny. Cause he was, he was a jokester. He was happy Harry. And I thought it was a joke. And he said, no, it was Oral Roberts. He called to pray for me. Wow. Wow. I'll never forget that day because I believe that there was a salvation message. My dad went to church when he went, he was Orthodox. Like I said, uh, when he went, when he did what he did, but, but I believe oral the way my father was talking right then, I believe oral let him in a sinner's prayer, a salvation prayer. And I believe on that day, my father was guaranteed a wonderful place in heaven. And that's amazing. Lindsay. I didn't know who oral Robert, I knew how, who were, was how old were television. you at that time? I was 12. I was wow. a whopping 12. Wow. And from that day on, because my father did pass to heaven. From that day on, when I would wait for Sunday morning and hear that man say, mm, "Wow, come on, Lindsay, say something good is going to happen to you," that's right. I believe he said, it. I he believe did say it. that, didn't he? That was always how he kind of ended the program. Because or what? something good is going to happen to you. And when he'd say that, I believed it. In the middle of you know twelve-year-old pain, I believed it, and it had such an impact on me. Wow. That I I I figured if he says that and he says God is a good God and he says you can be healed and he says Jesus is your Lord, I believe him. And imagine and so, the ripples ripples continue, doesn't it? Here they are. He, you just yeah. told a whole bunch of other people what Oral yeah. Roberts did and their lives are now being affected. Isn't that amazing? Isn't Let's that talk something? about how you entered the Oral Roberts family. How did and how did that all come about and how did you end up uh, I actually ran away from oral physically <laughs> ran away out of the room. Um, I was in law. I wanted to go to law school. I had wanted to go to either law school or medical school. Um, and 
uh, I had heard that Oral was opening a law school. I was so fascinated by him from age 12 that I went all through high school, went through college, and had determined that if he's opening a law school, that's where I want to go. I applied. I got accepted. And um, we had a weekend of, uh, it was like kind of getting to know you, Oral preached. It was a lovely healing weekend. Um, and I just thought it was amazing. Well, there he was sitting on uh, on like a kind of on a platform, kind of on the stairs. And I walked up to him and I just stuck my hand out and I shook his hand. We just started chatting. End of story. And I started law school and the guy sitting next to me, we were kind of in like alphabetical order. And the guy sitting next to me said, I want you to meet somebody. And I'm like, no, thanks. Why? Who are you talking about? I don't need this. And I was that driven student that it had to be straight A's or I had to be focused and I didn't have time for dating. And that's just down the road. And he said, I want you to meet Richard Roberts. I said, no, thank you. And he said, well, how about if you meet all? Nope, I already met him. I mean, I was so narrow minded. <laughs> so he was committed that. I, and I finally said to him, why are you talking like that? He said, I think you two would be good for each other. And I said, I think you're wrong. And I think you're crazy and I need to focus. Well, I was the one that had the car. So he was always hitching a ride in my car and he would always talk. And I'm like, I will give you no more rides if you don't stop this nonsense. Well, that weekend, he he asked me for a ride and he said, I know a quick way out of here. Uh, follow me and I'll show you a shortcut to your car. He was lying through his teeth. <laughs> he was taking me back to meet Richard. And so I met him and Richard had just preached on, you know, what's your biggest giant that God literally wants you to defeat the giant. And the, and Richard just looked at me and said, what's your biggest giant? And I said, you. <laughs> He's like, he turned to his friend and said, this is a nut. Get her out of here. And I'm, I, I was like, get me out of here. He thinks I'm a nut and I don't want to meet this guy. That's and he said, why would you say that? I said, because your friend won't leave me alone. And, and, you know, God has talked to me about you and prophetically the Lord had talked to me about him and I kept ignoring it. So I left, I was offended by the whole thing and Richard kept calling me. And so he asked me out. I said yes to really basically get him out of my hair. And I opened the door when he came to pick me up. I think we were just going to eat or something. Instantly, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and told me, that's your husband. And I shut the door. I'm like, Father God, you're wrong on this. I love you, Lord, but you're completely wrong. Or I'm hearing wrong, but this is crazy. 16 weeks later, we were married. Oh, are you kidding? (laughs) And I tell my my children all the time, dear Jesus, please, Lord, Father God, do as I say, not as I did. Because that was, that was, my personality is very slow and think things through, take your time, plan for 20 years. And that was just not who I was. But when the Father God spoke to me, I knew. And I knew immediately. And that was that. And so Richard, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, my wife and I were, it was like 10 weeks. Yeah. We were engaged. 10 weeks later, we were married. It was like, boom, and 43 years later. And it was like one of those things. And yeah, and it's like, Lord, are you sure? But, you know, I had people in my life that said, I needed, I wasn't hearing the Lord yet. So I was listening yeah. to other people. But, you know, I envied those people who, like yourself, who grew up hearing the Lord. By the way, you said the Holy Spirit or the Lord had been talking to you before this yeah. about Richard. What what kind of thing can you share that he was telling you? The, the Lord kept saying to me that Richard is part of your future. 
And I, you know, I was kind of sort of musical in different ways. I played piano, little, little things like that. So I thought, okay, I wonder if that's it. But, but for me, I'm not, I was not a public person. I was really shy. Um, in fact, when I married Richard, the people that knew me said, no, it couldn't be her. She, she doesn't speak two words. And so people really were shocked that I would marry into a family like that because of my own personality. And the Lord kept saying exactly what his friend kept saying to me. The Lord kept saying to me, you two are good for each other. Well, I, I couldn't connect because I was studious. I was, you know, this brain head. He was, um, to be honest with you, musical, famous, famous father, all that. Sure. that. That was never in my life or even in my thought process. And when I met his father, Richard took me to meet his dad, which I thought was just absurd. I mean, I'd already <laughs> introduced myself to him, but he said, I really want you to meet my dad. His dad held his hand out and said, so this is Richard's bride. Are you serious? I him, serious. I, and I, I looked at him and I ran out of the room. <laughs> I just said, I, in fact, I remember saying, y'all are crazy people. And I literally physically ran out of the room. Are you serious? Oh, my. Now, I couldn't process that. I It just, it didn't connect. I wanted So how to long be, from that moment were you on your next date with Richard? Um, well, that I think was somewhere in October-ish. And so we had only been on a couple of dates. And so that was somewhere in October. And... And Oral said it then in October, and we were married January 11. That's so amazing. So it was, that's, look at myself. I think back, what were you thinking? Well, you know, and I were, my wife was extremely shy, exactly what you're describing. How did you take, go from that quiet person, just like Doreen is very, very quiet, to end up doing what you're doing now? How in the world? Okay, the real honest truth? Yeah. I wish you hadn't asked this question because I have to tell you the truth. Okay. So um, Oral's decision was to put me right on television in the audience. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And start right out from the buck and shoot. And I'm like, you're crazy. And <laughs> so what I did, I strategically had a bucket next to me. And I would from time to time throw up in the bucket. Are you serious? Oh, it was horrible. So they put me on television and they put at that time they were doing a live program. Richard and I started this. How he convinced me, I don't. Oral could convince me to do anything. <laughs> I had a baby on, and, and and I'm literally four hours later. Oral puts me on television holding my baby. I mean, he could convince me to do anything. So so he convinced me to do television with them. And the only possible way I could have done it, I'd smile. I didn't say very much. I'd nod <laughs> my head. Yes, I'd say a few words. And then when they go to a commercial, I leaned over and I'd throw up in the bucket. <laughs> and then I had a bottle at that time. I don't even know if they make it anymore. It was called like Emetrol. And it was like to settle nausea. I'd take a chug and then, hello, we're back. <laughs> having, nobody having any idea. There's a bucket beside me I'm full of meat. Oh, my goodness. So <laughs> that's hilarious. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking if I was beside you and you threw up, I'd be going. <laughs> I, know, I, I Seriously, it was it was so awful. Did he it have a sense so, of humor so where he awful. thought that was funny? Somehow? He thought it was hilarious. In <laughs> fact, both Oral and Richard um, thought that it would be very um, humorous to provoke me into doing things like Are that. You? They they would do things off the cuff. Richard one time told me that he would never, ever, ever, 
ever introduced me when I didn't want to be. And he, we were in a program where we were in a building and the, the lights were all out and he was on stage. They were, uh, he, they were singing and then he was going to preach. And I was like in the last seat in the back of the auditorium. And he said, you know what? I just, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I want you to bring up the house lights. I want you to go right over there in that corner, put the house lights on. I want you to meet my wife, Lindsay. I said, oh my gosh, he wouldn't do that to me. Oh my gosh. I can't believe it. I said, Richard, how can you? And I'm talking from like the last row. And the woman next to me said, you're his wife, aren't you? I said, yes. She got so excited. She jumped up just <laughs> as the spotlight came on her. And she was about 100. And Richard said, there she is standing up. That's my wife. It was this lady that was about 100. And I just sat back in my chair and I said, Okay, buddy. <laughs> you won't suffer. be doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious, so, Lindsay. Yeah. Wow. So that well, was our humor, life. The humor of those guys. I didn't know that. I, oh. you know, I know the serious side of it and the healing side of it and the miracle side of it. But wow, I guess you have to have that humor side to. Oral was a rascal. He could get himself into more trouble, and really? he knew it, and he enjoyed it. And then he'd get us and call us and say, you know, you, you better go fix this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? One time do you he came have home, a Do you have a story of how he got himself in trouble? Can you think of something? The worst, worst story of how he got in trouble, there were two of them. They were both involving his driving. Um, we would never let our kids ride with him because he'd be so <laughs> excited. He'd be like, this, here's driving. And he'd be talking to the kids. Here they were driving and he'd be talking to kids. So, so we knew this about him. And so we would never let him do that. And Evelyn would always drive and she'd say, Oral, get in the passenger seat. And we would laugh because that would frustrate him. We would laugh and laugh and laugh. And, and one day he had skidded his car into a wreck and he opened his trunk and he was always hitting like he'd hit a tree. One time he'd hit a garage. Thank God it was never people. But he picked up the trunk of his, he opened the trunk of his car and picked up all the car parts. And he threw them in the back of the trunk and he called Richard and said, hey, I got to go out of town. I'll loan you my car if you want to come get it. It was a nice car. And so Richard said, yeah, sure. He said, well, just drive me to the airport and you can have my car. Richard's like, okay. And he opens the trunk. There's all these car parts in the back. And he said to Richard, fix it. And of course, Richard did, and we laughed. But that was the kind of personality he had. He just was, he was a goofy little guy. His favorite thing in the entire world was to frustrate Evelyn. I mean, he literally lived, it was his oxygen to frustrate her. And his number one thing was to lean back on all of her beautiful chairs and lean back. And he'd either break the legs on the chair, flip the chairs over. And, and then he'd get up and walk away and laugh. And so one day he did it one time too many. He flipped the chair over. He whacked over a television set. Everything went spilling on the floor. The chair was broken. He couldn't get up. And he said, Evelyn, we were all sitting there watching. And her famous words, to this day, our children mimic these words. Her famous words were now oral. That means Oral Roberts is going to get it and we get to watch. And she'd <laughs> say, she said, now oral. And he said, Evelyn, get me up. I think I'm hurt. And she said, no. And she kind of walked away. We <laughs> giggled and laughed and laughed because he was always trying to get a rise out of her. And this time she got it. She got so it back. It's, it was like, always like that. it's like the ladies of the family got their comeuppance and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, see, we talked about um, marrying. Uh, I want to make sure I don't miss anything about that. Now you got into writing. Um, 
were you more of a writer than a speaker? Did you begin to write prophetically or just write for others? How did that come about? I'd write for others. I'd write for Richard. But mostly, um, and I wrote, I authored books with my name through the ministry, but mostly Oral would come in and he'd say, sit down. And I'd always know when he had this, he'd have a yellow pad, like a legal pad, and he'd use a blue felt pen. And I'd always know when he came with a stack of yellow pads and a blue felt pen, that meant I had to write. And the he would have an idea. And I remember one time we were sitting in a restaurant here in town, and, and it was like um, a Chinese restaurant. It was his favorite place. And we all sat down, and he said, I want you to write a book. I have an idea. I said, okay. And I didn't have a pen and paper, which was really rare for me. Evelyn, always prepared, had nothing. And we found a penny wrapper. Really? And she had a penny wrapper in her purse, unfolded it. She had three or four of them, unfolded them, gave me an ink pen. And in tiny little handwriting, I was writing because I thought, how can I miss the words of Oral Roberts? Just write. And so tiny as I could, I'm like, this is postage stamp. And I was writing as tiny as I could. And he said, now turn that into a book. And, and that's so what he, I would do. I was going to ask that because people are going to say, well, I thought Oral wrote his own books. He did by telling them to you and you wrote it out. And we right? would go back and forth and back and forth. And he would say, fix this, do this, fix this, do this. And I would fix it. And he'd say, I don't like this. And I would go and take his sermons and we would transcribe them. And then he would, I would take out, you know, with the highlighter and I'd show him what I thought was important, what was all important. But, but we would take all of that and I would take it back to him. And back and forth and back and forth. And in his ha- own handwriting, yellow pad and his felt pen marker, um, he would write and I would write and we would work together. And I remember the days he had this long, long hallway in, in his home in Tulsa. And he would have me crawl on the floor and we would lay out whether it was pages. It was usually for a magazine, photographs, photographs from a crusade, whatever. And he would stand up. And I would be on the floor on my hands and knees and I would crawl along the floor and and he'd say, yes, no, take that out, add this, do this. And one day I said, what is this rug I am crawling on? And he said, <laughs> Catherine Kuhlman gave me that rug. Wow. And he turned around and handed me, he rolled it all up and it was a, it was a long rug and he rolled it all up and he said, you've done all the work on this rug, now it's yours. And to this day, it's one of my favorite things I own because I would be on my hands and knees with him saying, I don't like that. That's not right. Fix this, fix it. And now I look back, you know, 40 years ago and I think, Lord, if I could just be on my hands and knees one more time. With Oral Roberts. Questions, yeah. How many books did you ever count? How many books you helped write or? I don't have, honestly, I don't have any idea. Because, you know, by the time they were finished, they were his books. He had a certain way that he wanted to say things. And I was a little bit more um, technical. Mm -hmm. And he was, you know, where where some people could say Dr. Roberts, he was oral. So he was Brother Roberts. He was Brother Oral. He was not, he could be technical. And he would say, Lindsay, don't ever write with those 50 cent words. And I'd say, what's a 50 cent word? He said, not everybody can understand all of the technical stuff. He said, just write like I talk. And he wanted people to be able to communicate the Lord, no matter who they were, they could understand how much the Lord. That's really wise of him to do that. Cause I, Mm -hmm. I have a friend, um, he's going to be with the Lord. He said, Richard twist is his name. He's native American, very dear friend. And he would, um, 
he's the Native American people are so funny. They're just hilarious people. People don't know that. He would tell the jokes and he would talk and he gets up front and he tells great jokes and great stories. And then he got his doctorate and he started putting things in writing. And a short time after that, he went home to be with the Lord. But he started writing using those 50 cent words. And I thought, yeah. oh no, Richard, just talk yeah. like you talk. You know, yeah. and I'm not doing any way to, to diss my friend, but I'm just saying, I, I realized yeah. if you don't put it in regular speak, People aren't going to just, they're just not going to get it. Yep. And that's what he felt. He had a doctorate degree. He was Dr. Oral Roberts. He had, he, he loved to learn. He would read books and then he'd pass them to me and I would read them. And, and I mean, a lot of, he was, a, we tease him, called him a voracious reader, but you know, I was kind of exactly like that, but that wouldn't be what he would write. He would communicate me and you and you and me. And awesome. he would always stick to that policy. And when he would tape television, this was the best learning experience I think I ever had from any human soul in the earth. He would tape underneath the camera a picture of a partner or really? someone in the audience that was hurting or someone that was praying or someone that needed a miracle. And he'd tape it smack underneath the, the, the television that he was taping on so he could always envision the partners. What a wise man. What a wise he man. He would never get them out of his head. Well, he doesn't sound like a, a man who ever lost sight from what I'm from what you're saying. He doesn't sound like a man who ever lost sight of, of the ministry that he was in. Mm -hmm. He didn't just it didn't begin to control him. It sounded like he stayed at the helm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. He, he we were taping television one time and he got this um, not smart idea to do a candle lighting service. And he was going to take all of his partner's prayer requests, hold them in his hand and pray over them. And so he had all these candles lit around him. Now, this was many, many years ago. And one of the guys that had the fire extinguisher is actually <laughs> over here running oh, the camera man. to make sure I don't mess this up. And the comedy was he was so intent on when he would be the intensity of him praying for those partners prayer requests to him. He was holding the people in his arms, not That's a name, amazing. not a prayer request, not a sheet of paper. Those were lives and those amazing lives would be in his care. And he would grab them, close his eyes, and on this particular time, he'd begin to rock. Really? And in, it, it, we knew it was a bad idea from the start. <laughs> Here's the candles, right? He set them all on fire. <laughs> oh, no. And, and we didn't want to interrupt him because this was a beautiful prayer. I mean, he is operating in the Lord. He's prophesying. He's, he's saying that we can't interrupt him. And so I looked at Richard and said, what do we do? Richard looked at me and said, I don't know. What do we do? Evelyn of course, grabbed a pile of papers and just started pounding him <laughs> to put out the flames. And he looked up. Now they're in flames. And he looked at Evelyn and said, what are you doing? She's an oral. They're on fire. And so in comes the fire extinguisher and the rest was history. But the comedy was he was so committed to praying for the needs of people. I've never seen a human like that. And I think, wow. you know, he had tuberculosis when he was 17 and oh, someone prayed that. for him. Oh, he was, he had, the papers had been signed to put him in the tuberculosis sanitarium in, in Tallahassee, Oklahoma to die. Oh, and, my. and, and it was done. And he was a, a scrawny little thing, um, like uh, close to, I think 120 pounds when he was like 220 pounds. I don't know. He's a big guy. And, um, and his brother put him in the back seat of a car, drove him to a healing evangelist, uh, by the name of George Muncie. And, the, he was healed in that meeting. And from that moment on, 
to this, the day he went home to be with the Lord, to, to this day when I think about him, I've never known a person. Now, he could be a stinker. Make no mistake. As we but, have heard. <laughs> as we have heard. But he, he, I've never seen a person, even people that were not kind to him, if they asked for prayer, if they had been horrible to him, there are some people that, you know, I was standing next to him oh, when yeah. they'd ask for prayer and I'm looking thinking, how is this going to work? And the compassion of Jesus would come out of him. He would pray for that person as if he were his best friend in the world. Wow. And that never changed in him ever. And, he, and you knew he had been horribly hurt and, and judged by this, or this person or that person. And that person would still come and say, could you pray for me? And he yeah. just did. Yeah. Wow. That's a yeah. rare, rare thing. Yeah. Well, Lindsay, let's talk about you have a gift of dreams. It's very interesting mm -hmm. to me. And you talk about headlines and billboards. Pick up where you want to pick up. Talk about your dream life and where that started and all that. There's a couple of unusual things. I think once my grandfather had imparted that into me, I'd had those kinds of dreams and visions since I was a little child, kind of never really knew what to do with them. And then as I got older, they would be more clear, very direct, very specific. Many of them would be, you know, for oral. And so I would pick up the phone, I'd go see them and we would sit and talk. And because they were so specific, so directed, so detailed, he would teach me about it. So, you know, he was my instructor um, in what to do and how to handle it. Okay. And so they would be very specific, very detailed, but usually almost every time for an individual person or an individual situation. And I remember one time I said something to Richard and I said to him, um, it was about a contract. And I said, this is never going to go through. He said, Lindsay, I think they're signing it. I said, no, 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 no. Now the Lord said, this is not right. This will not go through. And to prove it, there'll be this in the headline in the newspaper tomorrow. Now when that really blurted out of my mouth, I thought, what did I just say? <laughs> Lo and behold, the next morning, front page of the newspaper, and it had to do something with sports. And I'm like, I wasn't even following the team or anything like that. I had no clue. There it was. And Richard and I sat down. I said, let's go talk. And we talked to him, we talked to his dad, and I needed guidance on what to do. I knew what was happening. I just didn't know what to do with it. This would happen all the time. It was usually, like I said, for a specific person. I can remember a pastor that I would call and talk to, and, the, and he'd say, anytime you get that, call me. It would be like a direction for his church and different things like that. Well, that went on for years. And about 10 to 12, maybe 13 years ago, I met Pastor Hank Kuhneman, okay. and many times the Lord would give me things for Hank, and I would call him, or Richard would call him, or text him, or something, and he would say, Lindsay, you have no way of knowing this, but, so it was confirmation what I was saying and what I was seeing. It was usually a newspaper headline for whoever I was to give it to, and, and whether it appeared in the newspaper or not, in the vision or dream that I was having, clear as a bell, it was a newspaper headline. Can you think of an example of, of seeing a, a particular headline in a, in a situation? Well, yeah, especially um, recently. Um, <laughs> the Lord told me to tell a pastor, um, and it was clear, Isabel. <laughs> I didn't want to do it because he said, you're my carrier pigeon for the body of Christ. Nice. And I said, I'm not going to call this pastor and tell him he's a pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> I happened to have been at his church and, and we were ministering there. And I said, listen, I've tried and tried to um, avoid this. But I said, I looked it up and I saw this headline that said, 
pastor, and he said his name, <coughs> excuse me, is my carrier pigeon for the body of Christ. And I said, I looked it up. And in war times, the carrier pigeon carried messages that no one else could get into, no one else could listen to. They were like the strategic warfare um, many times in, in wars. And I said, the Lord told me to tell you, you are one of his strategic weapons of warfare, wow. that he will introduce you and bring you into places that nobody else could get into. All of a sudden, he started getting an invitation here or an invitation there, far different than what he was used to. And he called me up and he said, boy, was that right? And I thought, thank you, God, because <laughs> I called a pastor a pigeon. Yeah. So that was one of them. Um, then uh, Pastor Hank Kuhneman had said to me, I think it was about a year and a half ago, that I was going to start having these, but it would be in a different way. It wouldn't be quite so much individual. It would be for the body of Christ. Lo and behold, I think it was the next night. And I began not to see the individual um, headlines. I began to see billboards. I thought, okay, Lord, this is just wacky. Like, I don't want to be dream. thought of in as wacky. Are you it seeing it in a dream? dream? Okay. In a dream. Crystal clear. And I'm going to call it almost like Panavision. It was more like a movie. And as I got in my car, every billboard that I passed would illuminate. Each message would illuminate. One of them was um, uh, the most recent one. Um, I'll give you the exact if you want it. The sure, most recent one was a shocker yeah. to me. The yeah. billboard that would illuminate said delusion. And then I would drive past the next billboard and it said confusion. And I drove past that and the next billboard said infusion. That was all. Now, the Lord had been real specific on other ones, like really Panavision detail movie character. This was those three words. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm confused. And this was like four o'clock in the morning, just a few nights ago. And so I said, okay, I went out and I got my phone and I looked up delusion and it said mistaken impression, false impression, mistaken belief, error, or misinterpretation. And then confusion, uncertain, unsureness, indecision, hesitation, and doubt. And then infusion, the introduction of a new element or quality into something. And the Lord said very specific, those three words, then those definitions. And he said, now I'm going to take you through the Bible and show you three complete instances. I thought, okay, this is getting better because I couldn't figure it out. He said, delusion. He said, when there's a mistaken impression, false impression, mistaken belief, he said, think of the demoniac of Gadara. He was naked and living in tombs and people didn't care. Think of a naked guy living in the graveyard yeah. and nobody around him cared and demon possessed and how he was behaving. So Jesus heals the man, cast the demons out. The Bible says he was clothed and in his right mind. That's right. And the people were sore afraid. In fact, they were so afraid they kicked Jesus out. That's crazy. And the Lord yeah. said that is like a delusion. When people see something and they're so convinced that they're seeing it one way, when in fact, it's completely di different, mistaken impression, false impression, mistaken belief, mistaken error or misinterpretation. And the Lord was showing me the way we see, even in the media, in the news, sometimes in interpreting Christianity, sometimes when a prophetic word comes out and it's not going to take place for a long time, what are you going to do? You're going to attack the prophet. Oh, that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Well, no, it's prophetic. It's down mm -hmm. the road. Mm -hmm. 
So <laughs> the Lord was showing me this is delusion. Then he said, now look at confusion. Jesus told Peter to launch out into the deep for a catch. And as we read in the Bible, it was the most miraculous boat sinking catch of fish mm -hmm. Peter had ever seen. But Peter was confused. We don't fish in the day. We don't fish in the in the shallow. We don't go in the deep. The fit right there where you want me to to go in here. The fish will see it. Lord, this is confusing. And then the third one was infusion, and the Lord was showing me of taking the word of God. When when we look at Moses, there is this horrible army behind them. Mm -hmm. And horrible, in a sense, Red Sea blockade in front of them. He convinces the people, come on, we're going to get out of here. Listen to what God has to say. This is going to be awesome. It's a miracle they didn't kill him. It is literally a miracle they didn't mm -hmm. kill Moses. And the Lord said, take your shepherd's rod. Yeah, right. I'm going to take a stick. There's an army behind us. Floodwaters ahead of us. I'm going to raise a stick and we're all going to be just dandy. It <laughs> literally is a miracle the people didn't yeah. kill him. Yeah. But the Lord said, look at what he did. He infused obedience and faith. And then this is something I've been chewing on for about two weeks. He said, when the power of God hits, the water splits. Wow. When the power of God hits, the water splits. He said he infused the power of God into what seemed to be a hopeless situation. And the water splits. We're living in a time where delusion is a way of life. We're living in a time, especially in the last, what, year and a half, two years, mm -hmm. where confusion, mask, don't mask, uh, vaccine, don't vaccine, this, that, don't, this election, that election, what mm -hmm. happened, what didn't happen. We are living in a time when I never thought I would see such confusion in politics, in the media, even sometimes in the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so we've had delusion and confusion. And the Lord spoke to me and said very clearly, the only way in this day and age to bypass confusion and bypass delusion is infusion. We have to infuse our situation with the word of God, just like when Moses infused the situation with faith and obedience, a stick caused the waters to roll back. It wasn't the stick. It wasn't the water. It wasn't the army. It wasn't the people. It was the obedience of infusing the situation with the power of God. And that's what he showed me in those three particular billboards. The next billboard I found out to be so funny, an extreme, because it went back to 1906. Now, when wow. you think about this and what year it is, this is this is the actual sheet of paper. It's 115 years old. Wow. And this wow. was in my grandmother's Bible that she gave to me. The back of it is a comedy. That is Oral Roberts' handprint. <laughs> All the way back to... January 28, 2001, I had the flu so bad, which I very rarely ever got. I was so sick, I couldn't see straight. And I called him, I said, I wish you could lay your hands on me. He said, I got an idea. And he drew his hand on a piece of paper. He wrote, in Jesus' name for Lindsay's healing today, Oral Roberts, John 1010. 10, and he faxed it to me. Wow, and that's I a brilliant what, idea. I laid my hands on that and I said, Lord, it's not the paper, but it's like the infusion. Mm -hmm. It's being infused with the word and the power of God. And I was healed. Now, I can't explain that, but I can't explain the Red Sea parting. Yeah. So one of the billboards I looked at said, the wealth of the wicked transferred to the righteous. And each time the word wealth came up, same billboard, wealth of the wicked being transferred to the righteous. Every time I passed it, the billboard didn't have like a, you know, those white kind of weird looking frames of the billboard. Yeah, yeah, the kind of a frame, yeah. The frame disappeared and it became like this gold illumination. 
like the billboard was gold and it would say the wealth of the wicked being laid up for the righteous, being, you know, being transferred to the righteous. And each one I would drive by had this illumination of the most absolute beautiful gold. But it was like, it was like not a color gold. It was like a light that was gold. Mm -hmm. And it got to the end of them after billboard, after billboard, and it got to the end of it. And there were God's people down below raising their hands, praising the Lord, worshiping God. And all of the sudden you could see this gold, the color, the light being poured out. And the Lord said, pay real close attention to the first group that's going to get this. I said, okay, who is it? And the Lord said, that would be the worshipers. And they were raising their hands. They were singing and they were worshiping God. Now you take that. Right. And 115 years earlier, my grandfather, my great grandfather said this. He said, and now to the young of my people, as I have already said unto you through the mouthpiece of my church. So I say it to you again, unto you, cultivate the gift of music that you may sing with the spirit and that you may understand in the spirit, sing with the understanding. And then he said, in as much as you will do this, I will bless you in ways you know not of. In as much as you will do this, I will bless you in ways you know not wow. of. That's to those singers, the worshipers. When we worry, when we get into fear, when we get into doubt, when we get into torment, when we get into delusion or confusion, how can God move? Mm. But when we infuse every situation with worship, with the power of God, with the presence of God, I believe everything changes. We don't have to look to the left, the right, the, the media, the this, the that. When we worship and get into that atmosphere of worship, even if we just say with our mouth, I worship you, Lord, I yeah. praise you, Lord. When you sing in the spirit, when you understand back what you're singing in the spirit, mm. I believe that's when God is going to pour something out on us the likes we have never seen before. Now, he said that 115 years wow. ago. The Lord showed me this just a, a little while ago. And that gold in the color, not like coins, but in the color began to pour out onto God's people. And they were laughing and they were praising and they were rejoicing. And there was nothing going on but worship. So and good. as we worship God, he's going to do things that I think we've never seen in the earth before. You know, that uh, this last couple of weeks, and I told Doreen, I said, God's given me some new language that I don't normally talk. I'm a little bit left brain. I can be very right brain and just sob my eyes out in the Lord, too. But I, I tend to stay in the left brain a little more. But all of me a sudden, too. God's saying, say this. Yeah. My God can do that. My It's it's a worship without, in that case, it's without music. You could sing yeah. it, too. But, but yeah. said, my God can do this. My God. See, I've never, I don't talk that way. But I've been practicing talking that way. Yeah. But it's like God just shows up, you know. It's like, because I say, well, my God can do that. My God, that's not a problem. I mean, we get stuck with something that's like this. Uh, let's just say children, all our children are grown and grandkids. So this problem and that problem. And you don't have no, any idea. We don't have any idea how we as uh, grandparents or parents are going to help. But when we say, you know what? My God can do that. My God can fix that when no one else can come. And God goes, you know what? I see that faith and I raise you. And all of a sudden, heaven's joining in. Um, I love it. And that's the same thing, whether it's with music or without music, 
you turn it into worship. That's worship. It's My worship. God can do that. It's worship. It's That's what Moses sound. was doing with the stick. My God, yeah, Scott, think as I just raised the stick. That was a good one. Can you imagine the situation if you went to, say, your children or grandchildren and said, you know, I got an answer for this. My God can do it. And they look at you like, oh, okay, I need something more tangible. Moses needed something more tangible than a stick. But when the power of God hits those words, the situation begins to change. When the power of God hits the water splits, when the power of God hits, that tangible power of God changes the situation. And totally. I tell you, I'd rather have that than my own words because my own words can be really wrong. Yeah, you know, there's, I think I, there's this, I think we're all learning right now to take the most twisted, confusing problem. And yeah. instead of trying to figure out how you're going to do this or that, you say, you know what? God, and I'll say to the Lord lately, I've just been practicing that, Lord, I have absolutely no idea how to unravel that, untangle that. But you can do that without even thinking. You can just do yeah. that. So I'm turning that over. I'm going to watch you surprise me how you unravel. And all of a sudden, an hour or two later, the problem is gone. And I don't even, can't even quite figure out how it disappeared. But it just like, whew. There you go. One of the cool. most impactful billboards that made no sense to me was I was seeing Naaman, the leper, and as he's going on with his leprosy and you know, the book Kings is unfolding right there in front. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Lord, I know that book in the Bible. I, I don't get why I need it in a billboard. I mean, I actually, I know that scripture and I don't get it. Well, all of a sudden at the end of the billboard, I saw Naaman going in the water first time, second time, third time. Remember he dipped seven times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I kept feeling like nothing's happening. And the Lord was impressing to me. My people quit too soon. Mm. My people quit too soon. Don't quit mid miracle. I've been chewing on the phrase of don't quit mid-miracle. Someone had said that to me, and I keep saying, don't quit mid-miracle. And I kept thinking about my children, first miscarriage, second miscarriage, son that lived a day and a half, this surgery, that surgery. If I had quit mid-miracle, and I tried to, I went to oral and I said, I said those words, I said, I just want you to know something, I quit. And normally he'd have this great big dissertation. And I just said, I quit, I quit, I'm done, I quit. And he said, okay, and I'm like, what? You're supposed to talk this out. And he said, no. And he said, but I just want to ask you one question. What is on the other side of you saying I quit that is the miracle waiting to happen? But if you quit, you'll never receive. That's I went home. Good. I was so I was so frustrated with him. I was like, that's not fair. You went so scriptural on me. You went so all God on me. I wanted to be in the flesh and you just went total God on me. And the truth was, what would be on the other side that I would have missed out on? Jordan, Olivia and Chloe. Wow. If I had quit after one, two and three, you know, just devastations, I would have missed four, five and six, which turned out to be Jordan, Olivia and Chloe. And in this dream, I saw people quitting mid-miracle. And Naaman was saying, come on, tell Lindsay, Lindsay, tell him, come on, get in, get in the water, dip seven times, dip seven times. And as we all went running in the water and we all began to dip, people were like, that's just stupid. And they walked away with no miracle. And they were walking away without their financial needs met or their physical needs met. And I kept saying, no, stay in there, dip another time, go another time. And Naaman kept encouraging me, Lindsay, I know what it's like not to do the whole thing. I could have missed my miracle. Tell them don't wow. miss their miracle. So the group of us that ran in and just kept going, the miracles, people were in the water screaming, I got my miracle, I got my miracle, I'm healed, I'm, I see the light, I see what I'm supposed to do. 
while all of that was happening, the Lord kept saying to me, don't quit mid-miracle. This is what I think the billboards are about. Billboards get your attention. And I believe they're encouraging. I said to the Lord, the first one he had me do, I said, Lord, I don't understand this. And it went like over 600,000 people. I never heard of anything like that. Not out of our ministry, not out of me. And I said, Lord, why the billboards and why those numbers? And he said, first of all, billboards get your attention. And I said, oh, that's a good point. And he, I said, but the numbers, they're so weird to me. And he mm -hmm. said, I want a lot of people to be encouraged because right now a lot of people are discouraged. And he mm -hmm. said, I want people to be encouraged. He said, I'm not going to give you, and you know, normally I would think it'd be more, you know, politics or prophetic this or, you know, and there's a mm -hmm. lot of fabulous political prophecy going on and, mm -hmm. and medical prophecy. But he said, no, Lindsay, I want you to encourage people. And I said, count me in on that. And that's what's been happening. You had said in there that the, that the, <laughs> through your whole life, if I understood the way you wrote it or the notes, is that the Lord really wasn't having you go up to people and rebuke them this and correct them never. that. Never one time. Not never ever, even once. Never once. No. You know, I, I remember when, um, you know, the prophet went up to David, uh, Nathan, and he went up to David and, you know, he told him, this is what's going on. And I'm like, I, I, when this started happening, I was like, okay, Lord, please don't do it. Please, please, please don't. I mean, if he did, I probably would have had to be obedient, but no, never once. It was always one word encouraging. And I jokingly say we have this CD that we've done in our ministry and we called it encouraging words of hope and life. Good. And I think that's what the Lord is using in this time. There's a lot of great, strong prophetic words on a lot of great, strong things, a lot of directional, correctional, a lot mm -hmm. of wonderful things. But I think the Lord is saying, Lindsay, you needed the encouragement. So now encourage people, use encouraging so words of hope and life. Yeah, the, the writer of Hebrews, I've always said it's almost comical the way the Holy Spirit inspired. We think it's Paul, but whoever wrote Hebrews said, here's what you should do. As long as it's called today, yeah. encourage one another. And so, of course, when is it never not called today? When, when you're in the, when's today? Today. What's tomorrow when you get there? Today. So he's saying, that's my comical way of saying you never stop encouraging people um i i i know a number of people through the years you've met them through the years and they say well you did they'll say things like you know you tell you you do grace and i'll do truth and what they mean by that is i want to confront people no yeah god is not, not me, putting you a heart of personality yeah god no. well but i don't even think god has put on anyone your job is to confront people i don't yeah. see that you know he said yeah. as long as it's called today if you encourage them with encouragement that'll yeah. work you that know, soft I'm answer sorry. that turneth away wrath. Oh, I think is. God has that. I think God is God, and I think God has to take care of certain situations. But I just see Him as Abba Father, Papa God. Yeah, that so that good. that softness. And before I, I can't forget this, I've been trying to kind of wrestle with this and not say it all along because I don't ahead. know how much you like to hear publicly. Go, go but ahead. since yesterday, the Lord has been telling me about telling you something, okay. and that you are such with what you're doing on this. It's the word he keeps giving me is parenting wow. the body of Christ. And I have to tell you this, you know, my, my father went to heaven when I was 12, my, my father-in-law, you know, a little over 10 years ago. And, and, you know, you're, you're my age. And so I'm not saying, you know, that we're close enough for you to be a father. You're, I'm probably, you know, old and close enough, not even, you know, almost to be twins. Yeah. So, but there is a parenting on you, a father figure, wow. a father in the faith 
that when you like what well, you and I were talking about this before, I've always loved Robin Bullock, but you have this way when Robin comes out of pulling these giftings out of him, these intelligence briefings, these these teachings that, you know, a father will, you know, help his little son along and say, now, come on, sweetheart, I want you to operate in this gift and daddy's going to help you. You bring things out in wow. us. You bring things out for us to listen to, for us to hear. And it's like the Lord is kind of just patting you on the back and going, you know, that's my kid wow. right there. That's that's wow. my Steve. But you are, you are teaching us so many things that we've lost in Christianity or maybe never paid attention to or maybe never heard or never knew of. And you're bringing this out in such a loving parental way wow. that 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 fathering, that parenting, I can't wait till it comes on. I mean, I've asked you earlier, would you please have Robin Bullock on five every times? day, you know, every day, seven <laughs> days a week. He's and all amazing. The other ones. You know, there. can you do 24 hour program? <laughs> yeah. You know, we may one day do more than we've already. We're now seven days a week because we do the Elijah fire. But you know, that's the, one of the highest compliments you could give me the Lord to give me as the being the father. I mean, when I was much younger, I could never see myself as that. And I, about probably 10, 15 years ago, I began to realize, and people, I walked in a room one time, Julie, our producer, had just started working for me. And she didn't tell me this right away. I think she told me a little later, but I walked. She says, when you came in the door, when I first worked here, I just felt this father thing come in. And I'm going, really? Really? Yes. You know, and then it's been said so many times. And to me, it's like, Man, God, you couldn't even give me a higher compliment than that. I'd love to be a good dad, you know. Father, God calls himself father. I mean, what a sweet word. And you are kind of parenting us on yeah. this oh, trail, on these streams that, that you know, you sometimes you come up with things on, with people that I've like listened to all the time. But what you're pulling out of them is like, I never, I didn't, I never saw it that way. I never heard, or yeah. maybe they've never said it that way. I have to, I have to comment on this because, you know, we talked about you're very shy when you met yes. Richard and Dream's very shy. And she, I remember as our first dates and, and then she, she we began to fall in love and she, I'd, I'd say something like, you know, she was shy and I can't remember exactly how this came out, but I'd say, I don't understand. Why do you love me? Uh, uh, what is it? Cause I'd be trying to figure out, are we supposed to get married or what? And she would say, because you pull out of me, you, you, you want to know about me. You want to, you know, and it is, it's kind of a natural thing with me, but yeah, yeah. you, know, you draw it out. Gift. Isn't that what papas are supposed to do? Yeah. Draw out the best in their kids, in their family, in, in whatever circumstance they're in. Why do they call it Papa bear? It's, you yeah, know, yeah. Draw and that by the out. way, you know, I'm, uh, Bob Jones always called father God, Papa. Yeah. And I and yeah. I've done yeah. that. And you know what's funny is God's given. I don't think I'll even say it on the air because it's is private. But God gave me my own little personal word for Him that's very familiar. Oh, you know, it's yeah. like it's like yeah. Papa, only it's not quite Papa. It's a variation of that. Yeah. And it's like when I call Him that, even though it's a, still a little uncomfortable, it's like He's our Dad. He, he wants to be Abba, yeah. Father, Daddy, God. You know, I saw that about our Father. We went into Israel because uh, a few years ago, and there's this little Israeli boy. He lost track of his dad. He's oh, running up these stairs in old Jerusalem. He's going, Abba, Abba, Abba. He's trying to get his father. And I'm going, now I get it. Now you get it, Papa. Now I get it. Papa. She says, we call it by yeah. which we call him Abba Father. You know, yeah. That's what she, this little kid was doing. Yeah. Abba, yeah. Abba. 
And then yep. I was like, oh, I get it now. So, it's well, Lindsay, time. that's amazing. Would you do me a favor or do us a favor and just pray for the people that are watching oh, and just encourage to. them with your prayers? And Oh, I would yeah. love to. Father God, in the name mm. of Jesus, for every person that is listening to this, first of all, Lord, I just want to say mm. thank you, thank you, thank you for being our Father God, our yes, Abba Lord. Daddy God. Yeah. Second of all, I want to say thank you for what Steve is doing. My Father God, anoint it, bless it continue it, allow people like me to get to listen to it all the time and be encouraged by it. And right now, Father God, I pray for anyone that's listening to be healed. Maybe it's in your thoughts. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's in relationships. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's in your job. Maybe you don't have a job. Maybe you're discouraged. I pray for Papa God, for Father God to nurture you and love you and let you understand that he's right there for you, that he wants to bring healing. I pray for you to be healed physically to be healed spiritually, to know God is Papa God and Jesus as your Savior and the Holy Spirit is your comforter. Father God, right now, I pray for people's entire physical beings to be healed from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet, for your physical bodies to line up with the word of God and for your bodies to line up for what, with what Jesus did on the cross for you to be mm. healed and made, as the Bible says, every quit whole. I pray for your emotions, your soul realm, your mind, your will, your emotions, your Mm. thinking. I pray for your family, for relationships. Maybe you're believing God for a family. Maybe you're believing God for children and you're discouraged. Been there, done that. But I pray for you to stay the course, stay the course, stay the course and be healed and made completely whole for you to be encouraged. If you are, if you are experiencing feeling down or depressed or, or anything that that yes, has just Lord. seemingly tried to rob your joy. I pray for the joy of the Lord to be your strength, to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And I pray for you to be whole in every area. I pray for your finances. I pray for your thinking. I pray for you in every area of your life. Yes, be encouraged, Lord. be encouraged, mm. be encouraged in Jesus name. Amen. Amen and amen. Lindsay, thank amen. you for encouraging me. Thank you for encouraging the body. Great amen. story about both your own life and that of Oral and Richard. And hey, how can people get what what would what kind of websites would you like to give people or real simple what? oralroberts.com. It's okay, our everything. it's our ministry website, oralroberts.com. Okay, so, sounds good. Yeah, sounds we're all good. on there and you can find all the stuff on there. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I hope that was a blessing to you. God bless Steve Schultz and everybody at the Elijah Streams and all the prophetic words that come. And you heard the prophetic words from Lindsay. But right now, I focus in on you. Whatever your need is, in the authority of the name of Jesus, it may be spiritual, it may be physical, it may be financial, it may be in your family or your business or your job or your ministry or in some other area of your life. It could be in your emotions. In the authority of Jesus' name, I come against that thing. That thing which has tried to stream against you, I bind it in Jesus' name, and I pray for healing, and I send the word to you right now, no matter where you are. Receive it in the authority of Jesus' name. I expect a miracle for you. Amen and amen. Praise God. So glad you joined me today, and join me next week for Expect a Miracle with Richard Roberts. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expect a Miracle with Richard Roberts. Please share with your friends on social media and help spread the healing, saving good news of Jesus with others. And if you need prayer, go to oralroberts.com slash prayer or call the prayer group at 918-495-7777. We believe God wants you healed and whole in all areas of your life.